There's this um, priest who I really admire. Um, He was this Jesuit priest who taught high school, but then he gets assigned to the poorest parish in L.A. Uh, It's a poorest parish, drug-ridden, terrible crime, drug addiction, gang members all over the place. And his story is in this book called um, Tattoos on the Heart. So anybody besides me read it? See, one good guy. Um, okay, two good, good people. Um, it's a great book, but it, you know, it's kind of a strange story where he takes this poor parish, drug ridden, all these problems, like who wouldn't want that parish? Um, and the odd part is over time, he changes it. Not just the parish, but it becomes this center of life. And the problem is it's in terrible drug uh, addicted gang territory. Nobody wants it. So he gets it. And like he says, and I think this is true, when there's such problems, you can't negotiate. You know, you can try and you can say, well, would this gang please not be killing these people? You can't negotiate with hatred. You know, it doesn't work. They're broken. They're so broken that like he tells a story um, and he tells a lot of these great transformational stories where one um, gang member, oh, you have to, how he transforms, he has a parish, and um, uh, he realizes a lot of these gang people, they don't have a high school education. So he asks these nuns if they would consider volunteering and opening up a school just to teach gang members so they can get a high school. And the nuns do it. They go door to door asking people to come if you want an education. So him and these nuns, they do that. But then the problem is nobody wants to hire a gang member, even if you left the gang. So his phrase is, um, nothing stops a bullet quicker than a job. But how can you get a job? So luckily he got this factory and he started this bread making industry. So just to give people a job. And then it expanded to tortillas and then a breakfast shop and um, people could get a job. But if you get a job, what they do is this, they demand that, you know, what he's trying to create is community and love. So if you leave the gang, he'll give you a job, but then you have to work with somebody else of the opposing gang you wanted to kill. And this is the amazing part. I just picked them out because they're married. Um, well, it could happen, I don't know. I, anyhow, um, like all these great stories of transformation. But he does say, you know, you, you can't legislate it. People won't work that way. They're already broken. Nor can you threaten them with more laws or punishment. They are such a broken people. They've already hit bottom. What are you going to punish them with? And so he like tells the story of this one guy whose uh, gang member left, um, has his transformation. But he asks him one day, he says, well, what's your story? And he says, oh, you know, um, my mother was a drug addict and she hated me. And so my mother said to me when I was just a little kid, said, why don't you commit suicide? And he says, no, it sounds a lot worse in Spanish. Um, So the mother didn't really want him. So she takes him and takes him to Mexico and drops him off. Um, And the grandmother over two weeks finally gets out of her daughter where she dropped off this guy. She goes to Mexico, picks him up, brings him back. But his life doesn't get any better because his mother is this alcoholic with a series of abusive boyfriends. And he said, as a little kid, his mother or a boyfriend would beat him so hard 
that his back was always bleeding. And when he went to school, he had to wear three t-shirts because the blood would soak through the first t-shirt, could soak through to the second t-shirt, but with three t-shirts, nobody would see his uh, back bleeding. And even he said, as a young man, he would always wear three t-shirts because he wanted to hide his scars. And he said, you know, after he comes to the parish, and part of it's called Homeboy Industries, um, he starts to change, starts to change. And one day he realizes that, why should I hide my scars? My scars are part of who I am. If I can't love my scars, then I don't love myself. And I have to love myself and other people. Um, So they have these transformations. And this sounds kind of strange. Um, This parish, what he, what... Gregory Ball pushes really is faith, hope, and love. With this sense of community, people's lives change. And to me, it's just this amazing story of transformation. What he does in the parish and homeboy industries, it's the largest rehab facility in the United States. And think about this it just started with one broken down old priest. Actually, he's not that old, he's only like 65, but in my book, that's old. Um, <laughs> because I'm 60. Um, but he does have leukemia. Like He has leukemia, and it's amazing how this dead zone of addiction and abuse becomes this place of community and growth and life. And I mention it because it reminds me of today's gospel. In today's gospel, Jesus talks about this mustard seed. And he said, you know, um, the disciples come to him and say, increase our faith. And he says this two strange things. First thing he says is, if you had mustard seed, a faith the size of a mustard seed, um, you could say to the mulberry tree, uproot yourself and be planted into the ocean. So let me explain that. In some sense, Father Gregory, he's like the little mustard seed, right? A tiny bit of faith. The mustard seed is very tiny, but it has a huge effect. Nobody would expect a 65-year-old priest with leukemia to become the Mother Teresa of L.A. This, nobody would want to be in drug-infested place. But with a little bit of faith, great growth can happen. And when it says um, you can uproot the, mustard, the mulberry tree and put it in the ocean, let me explain that. It doesn't mean, you could interpret it literally, and I think you'd be foolish to, to say, oh, suddenly Marlene ha- Marilyn has the power to throw trees into the ocean. Big deal. Um, what it means is this. The mulberry tree, it holds its ground. And the sea, it technically says sea. The sea, um, always in the Bible, symbolizes chaos. Something out of control, no way you can ever control it. So it symbolizes chaos. That this tree... And what Jesus says could be planted in the sea, chaos, and grow. So the the sea is actually, no offense, Dolores Mission in L.A., this place of violence and depression and drug abuse. It's a place of chaos. And what do you know? Growth happens. Something beautiful grows there. Um, Creation is reordered. Faith has a power to make things grow. Um, So I like that. And the mulberry uh, uh, roots, it's really like entangled and twirly and, you know, tangled. And 
the idea of uprooting that means this, is that um, a lot of people think that there's so many deep-seated, rooted problems that are so tangled. A lot of people, especially in the United States, say, you know what you need? You need a law for that. You need to come out with penalties or a law. The law can't untangle many of our problems. But you know what can? Faith. Faith can untangle this snarl of problems. Look at, um, look at uh, 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 Homeboy Industries. You know, these gang members who would have hated and killed each other end up becoming a family. And even like, um, gives hope. And I, just one more story that this one cracks me up. Because they need jobs, they would come there um, and they had homeboy industry, but nobody wants to hire them. And this one guy comes in to see, his name is G. Well, his name is Father Greg, but they call him G. And he sits down, G says, G, I tried to get a job. I went and applied everywhere. Nobody will hire me. And so Father Greg says, really, you, you can't think of any, any reason that nobody wants to hire you. And he says, no, I really can't. And what he has tattooed on his forehead is the F word. Um, and so he says again, he says, really, you, think about this. You can't think of any reason nobody wants to hire you. Um, no, and so at Homeboy Industry, they started a tattoo removal service for free. You know, if you're going to have a second chance, uh, so my only point being is that, wow, it wasn't a government program or penalties or laws that untangled this mess. It was a little bit of faith. Um, that's what caused something to grow. So, I mean, I, I, just, I just think, wow, this gospel about the mustard seed, I think it's very true. Everybody wants to put their hope into law or penalties. But what the world needs is a lot of untangling. And the thing that can make something grow in chaos is faith. You just need a plant. So even one old broken down priest can make a huge difference. Where he wants his parish to be a place of kinship. Where you can give up your hatreds and really love each other. And the second part, oh, um, and let me tell you this too, I like this. Um, this second part, and it sounds strange, he said, um, that thing about the mustard seed, and then he suddenly changes to this question about what is a good servant. So, believe it or not, they do match, it just doesn't make sense at first. So you have the mustard seed, this little seed of faith, and then the question about the good servant. And he asks the question, um, what master, if a servant came in from working, says, sit down and I'll put on an apron and serve you? What master would do that? Well, the answer would be nobody, right? In that society, a master is up here and a servant is here. Um, so I'll ask you, and seriously, get the question. Because Jesus is asking the question, he wants you to figure out the answer. What master, and there actually is one, who, when the servants come, have them sit down and he serves them. He puts on an apron and serves them. What master did that? Oh, wow, you guys are so much smarter than the rest of the masses. Um, yeah, it's Christ at the Last Supper. And so when he mentions the uh, mustard seed, I think it means the Eucharist. In the Eucharist, what we get fed is a defiant way, a defiance to the way the world works. The world has some people up here, other people down here, but Christ, the master, 
plants true service in us in the Eucharist. When we go to communion, we defy what the way the world says to work, where some people are up here and other people are down here. We get Christ the servant, we're our lives. We become good servants. Um, and so he says, uh, you know, the good servant, um, the good servant doesn't need to be thanked, does what's right. So when you hear the word servant, every time it comes up in the Bible, what image really is supposed to provoke when you hear the word servant? Not slave, a slave is something else. When it says that you're a good servant, what quality does a good servant have? And it's duty, that they will remain dutiful. So a good servant does his duty. Um, like a lot of people, they want to say they're servants of God, but I'm sorry, I don't like their definition. That they're good servants of God, as, and I'll do what God wants as long as it's something I like to do. Well, then you're not obedient. You're not a good, you don't have a sense of duty. Or they say, well, I'll, I'll do what God wants as long as God explains to me what God wants. No, then you're not dutiful. Uh, somebody who's a servant has the virtue of duty. They will do what's right because it's right, and that will be their joy. Uh, not because God has to explain or you like it. You know how many times I've met people say, well, I only go to Mass when I feel like it. When did God ever say in the Old Testament, keep the Sabbath as long as you feel like it? Um, no, you have a sense of duty. And even like the sense of duty, I know this sounds strange. Some people are better than others. But one, like this gospel passage, uh, it always makes me think of this deacon I had in my former parish who I pick out people's funeral readings secretly, and I'd use this for his funeral because he's this ex-Marine drill sergeant. And in the parish, if there was something unpleasant that needed to be done, his name was Shaq, you knew Shaq would do it. He wouldn't complain or kvetch, and he knows nobody else wants to do it, so I'll step in there and do it. That is a sense of duty. Like, this would be a great reading for Sack's funeral. Um, that's duty. You don't need to be thanked, or, but you do it. Or Gregory Boyle tells a story about this one gang member who leaves the gang, uh, becomes part of homeboy industry. And one day, um, Gregory Boyle says to him, oh, um, how was your evening? He says, oh, it was fantastic. It was great, great dinner. So Gregory Boyle says, oh, what'd you have to eat? And the guy thinks, and he says, actually, I didn't eat anything. Uh, we didn't have enough food, but I did have enough food for my girls. And he said, just, it was so great to spend the evening and see them eat. And here's a guy whose own father had multiple children from multiple women, didn't support any of them, no sense of duty did uh, his father have. And yet his great joy is just seeing his kids eat, um, even if there wasn't enough food for him. Sense of duty, you don't have to thank, God doesn't have to thank me for being moral. That's my sense of duty. Now, if you're wondering why are you mentioning this, because Jesus mentions the mustard seed and the good servant. And the idea is this, if the mustard seed, faith, is planted in somebody with a sense of duty, they'll accomplish great things. Well, that picks up our first reading. Our first reading is from the Old Testament, Habakkuk, where Habakkuk, and I'm sure you felt like this, you look around and he says, there's so much violence in the world. God, do you not hear me praying? There's so much falling apart in the world. 
when are you going to do something? And God's answer in Habakkuk is, I am not above it all. I'm in it. I'm in the midst of it, urging human beings. And one day this vision will come. And this is the prophecy that, about the Messiah. One day the Messiah will come and he'll form a person where he'll put his spirit in them. Then God will be in the midst of it all, working on all the violence of the world. Well, if the Eucharist is the mustard seed and we're the good servants, if it's planted in us, why can't we become like a Gregory Boyle? We're younger, better looking, and we're not dying of, of leukemia. Why couldn't this parish be a place of great growth and kinship where no matter how snarled somebody's life is, you know, like Gregory Boyle's people are much worse off, you know, drug addictions, abuse. Why can't this become this great place of love? Uh, where just with faith and love, people's lives become untangled. Gregory Boyle says, you know, believes in the line, the arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. But even in the worst situations, he says, with a little bit of patience and a little bit of faith and a little bit of love, people can come together and get their lives straightened out. Um, plant the mustard seed of the Eucharist in us, good servants, and yes, I think this could become this great place of life. Hello, this is Father Len McMillan. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. If they've been a blessing to you, I'd also like to invite you to prayerfully discern supporting the podcast financially. Your generosity would help support the ongoing production and distribution of the podcast. If you'd like to make a donation, you can simply click the link in the podcast description. Be sure to tell us your donation is for the podcast in the comment section of the submission form. Again, thank you for your support as we seek to share the good news of the gospel. May God bless you for your generosity.